Hi, this is Cindy Godwin, pastor of Summit Church, and this is our chosen podcast. I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this inspires you. I hope that it helps build up your faith and remind you that God has chosen you and set you apart for His purpose. Enjoy the message. 39 years ago, and I had disobeyed the Lord. Imagine that. I disobeyed the Lord, and I put myself in a position that he did not want me in and that my husband had asked me not to do. But I manipulated him. Come on, women. How have, you, have you ever done that? You've manipulated to get what you want. And if you've ever heard Pastor Rick talk about witchcraft, then you know that the definition of spiritual witchcraft is control, domination, intimidation, and manipulation. And one of the works of the flesh defined in Galatians 5 is sorcery. And that's not talking about a lady with a crooked nose with a wart and a black hat and a broomstick. It's a work of the flesh that is witchcraft. And so I manipulated to get my way. And a result of that, I hadn't planned on sharing this today, but, you know, I just want to go by what the Holy Spirit says. The result of that was that I was given a prophetic word that nearly destroyed my life. I'm telling you the truth. What I didn't know is that this woman that gave me the word had a familiar spirit. Now, this is why, and I believe prophecy is a gift of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says, do not despise prophetic utterances, but test it to see. And the spirit of a prophet is subject to prophets. And I've had people come to me with prophecies that they're just wacky. I mean, it's like, why would you listen to that? But I did. And because she had a familiar spirit, she knew things about me that only God in me knew. But that made it right, right, wrong. And it literally nearly destroyed my life. And I suffered horribly for about three months. Until I was so desperate. You know, sometimes we go, why am I not hearing God? Why am I not seeing God? Why is this not manifested? And you know, what you don't realize is you really have not come to the end of your rope. And you just want a Band-Aid to make you feel better. And that's what I wanted. I wanted a Band-Aid. But God wanted the root. Because see, I had past tense. I don't think I'm going to do it again. Second year in a row, the most beautiful, expensive cyclamen planted in my yard. Everyone know what a cyclamen is? I mean, they're gorgeous, and they were hot pink and red and white, and what other color? Vita lavender, purple. And it, they were just gorgeous. I would have people parking in front of my house taking pictures, and I would think, what on, get out of the front of my house taking pictures. And then last year, Snowvid hit. And even though they're grown in Canada and um, Colorado, for some reason, they don't like San Antonio cold, and neither do I. And then the same thing happened this year. I mean, we have this two days or two episodes of this deep freeze. Plop, they're gone. 
I mean, they're gone. Vita, you'll see. They're gone. She helped plant them. And so, but you know what we had to do? We had to go with a hoe and dig it out. Because guess what? If we left the root in the ground, see, we could pull off the top. It's frozen. It's dead. But the root's still in the ground. I guarantee you in spring, those things will pop back up. But the problem is they don't bloom in hot weather. How many of you know it's going to get hot? And because of that, it would just be this green thing with no bloom. So I said that to say you can cut off the fruit all you want, but if the root is still there. And I had a root of witchcraft. Came by it very legally, very evident in the thread of my family. All the control, the domination, the intimidation, the manipulation. Just do it yourself, man. Whatever reason tells me to do, I'm going to do it. And God, you know, because he gives man a free will, he'll let you. And so that's what happened. I, was, I got to the point where I was so completely desperate, I thought my life would end. And so back in the day, this is in 1984. It was January of 1984. And Rick and Cindy were actually at the same conference and a Scottish prophet got up on the platform and he prophesied to the evangelist that was speaking. When he did, that evangelist fell to the floor. It was James Robinson. He fell to the floor. I mean, he wasn't pushed or anything. He made himself. He got on the floor and put his face to the ground. And the Holy Spirit broke through and he said, that is a real prophet of God. Because at the time, I, I just didn't know if there were, I, I was so confused. God is not the author of confusion, but peace. And that's. What had been stolen from me is my peace. And so I knew that was a real prophet of God that night. And Randy knew how much I was struggling. He was just powerless to help me. But he did. That evening, we were going into a restaurant, and there was that Scottish prophet sitting in the lobby. I said, Randy, there is that prophet. And he said to me, Randy said, you go talk to him. I'm going to go in the restaurant. I go up to this gentleman, not knowing that he didn't talk to women. And now, now remember, I am 30 years old at the time. And I was pretty nice looking. And so, thank you, Lewis. And so, I go to him and I am blubbering and I said, sir, how do you know if a prophecy is from God? And I just started doing the female thing, you know. I mean, just spilling my guts. I just said, I, I did because he just looked up at me like this. And his eyes pierced my soul. I said, how do you know if a prophecy is from God? Because I got a prophecy and I don't know if it was real or not. And I just need to know. And by then I'm crying. And he just stares at me and he said, what does she look like? And he starts describing this woman to me. And I said, yes, do you know her? And he said, no, but the Holy Spirit is showing me a picture of her. He said, where is your husband? And I said, he's, he's at the restaurant. You know I can talk fast, but I was talking on steroids. I said, he's in the restaurant. He told me to come talk to you. And he said, go back in there. Love your husband. Stay in the word. I'll never forget this. And tell people about Jesus. God wants you to be happy. 
And I said, thank you, thank you, thank you. And right then, pow, it broke off of me. That witchcraft hole broke off of me. And I went back in the restaurant and I was free. And last night when I was walking, the Lord reminded me, those, I've lived by that ever since. Love your husband. Stay in the word. Tell people about Jesus. God wants you to be happy. And yesterday when I was walking, it occurred to me that we get so religious and we forget God wants us to be happy. I can prove it to you. There's many scriptures on being happy. But we've been, religion has taught us, oh no. There's a difference between joy, there is. It's the fruit of the Holy Spirit and happiness. But I'm telling you, the thief has come to steal your happiness. And maybe next week I'll give you the scriptures. There's lots of scriptures on happiness. Even in the Beatitudes, if you read the Beatitudes, that word blessed means happy, fortunate to be envied. And so I just uh, felt that I was really supposed to encourage you to take back your happiness. And stop the religious bondage that you're just not allowed to be happy. God wants you to be happy. And that has nothing to do with my message, which actually is short. I'm going to talk today about cleaning out the clutter in your mind. I'm going to give you five very simple steps. I'll back some of it with scripture. Caroline Leaf had some, has excellent, excellent exercises. I'm sure if you've read Who Switched Off Your Brain or Who Switched On Your Brain. I don't know what the second one's called. And there's, she has some really good books. She's a neuroscientist and the leading authority in her field. And you can subscribe to her some of her courses. And I did one of them where you spend seven minutes a day for 21 days. Because many habits can be broken in 21 days. But I'm telling you something. If you've been in habitual cycle for decades, I'm just going to tell you right now, without a supernatural occurrence, it's going to take you more than 21 days to break the habit. I'm just telling you that. And the reason for that is because you have formed neural pathways in your brain. I'm not an authority. I'm just telling you what I've read. You've formed these neural pathways in your brain that become like a cycle. I was listening to Dr. Avery Jackson, who is a neurosurgeon that actually owns a hospital. He's one of the foremost neurosurgeons in the nation. Brilliant young man. And he was talking about how these neural pathways just, I mean, they cycle and cycle and cycle. And if you know anything about a circle, come on, you don't have to have an education to know this. A circle is going to keep circling until that cycle of the circle is broken. And so these are just some practical things I'm going to give you today. And it helps me. And I hope it'll help you. If you do it, it will. But I'm going to tell you something right now. It's going to take practice. Because you've practiced, you and I have practiced negative thinking for a very long time. Rick and Cindy's daughter spoke this weekend over 
on overcoming worry and anxiety through putting on the armor of God. And then when you were leaving, she actually had copies of a prayer of putting on the armor of God where you verbally put on, which is what the Bible says to do. You put on the whole armor of God. And you know what? you got to put the word of God. I don't know if next week I'm going to talk about what are you wearing. I really don't know. I, there's three different things that I really desperately want to share with you to help you be free. And I'm just going to listen to the Holy Spirit. It could be none of them by the time I'm finished. I don't know. I, I really, really want to be led by the Spirit of God. And so... I'm going to give you these things, and they help me if you practice them. But first, let's look at Isaiah 55, 6 through 11, because I want to show you something that I'm not sure you've seen. Seek, inquire for, and require the Lord while he may be found, claiming him by necessity and by right, and call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked, now you got to hear this, forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Forsake unrighteous thoughts. I'm going to tell you what those are. And let him return to the Lord. And the Lord will have love, pity, and mercy for him and to our God, for he will multiply to him his abundant pardon. Here you go. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, says the Lord. So what are his thoughts? Here you go. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Now, what are those? For as the rain and the snow come down from heavens and return not there again, but water the earth and make it bring forth and sprout, that it may give seed to the sower, bread to the eater. So shall my word be that goes forth out of my mouth. It shall not return to me void without producing any effect. It shall accomplish that which I please and purpose, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. Now let's back up to verse 7. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts and let him return to the Lord. And here you go. And he will have love, pity, and mercy for him and to our God, for he will multiply to him his abundant pardon. For my ways, my thoughts are not your thoughts. Now, he just told you what his thoughts are. His thoughts are full of love, pity, and mercy and pardon. And that means that any thought we have that is fear-based, because perfect love casts out fear, any thought we have that is fear-based, that does not, that is not consumed with the mercy of God, God not giving us what we deserve, any thought that is filled with condemnation and oppression and accusation from the slanderer who is Satan, those are not God's thoughts. In fact, he calls them wicked. Oh, what do you, God, what do you mean, wicked? But I'm worried about my life, my health, my kids, my money. I mean, you know, I get texts. Should we take our money out of the bank in case there's a cyber attack? Well, go ahead. Where are you going to put it? <laughs> Cut a hole in your mattress. I mean, at what point, at what point will God be our trust? 
At what point will we obey Isaiah 8? Do not fear what the world fears or be in dread. It is the Lord of hosts whom you should fear. He shall be your fear. He shall be your dread. He shall become a sanctuary and an indestructible asylum. At what point do we forsake those thoughts of worry and fear? At what point? At what point do we put on the helmet of salvation? So, well, when are you going to give us the points? I'm right now. Are you ready? Okay, wait, I have to find. Um, here we go. All right. Proverbs 1430. A calm, peaceful, tranquil heart is life and health to the body. I'm going to say it again. A calm, a peaceful, and a tranquil heart are life and health to the body. Does that tell you that your mind has any effect on the health of your body? It does. So let's reverse it. An anxious, wrought up, unpeaceful heart is not life and health to your body. Oh, but wait a minute. That's the Old Testament. Well, I wonder if the New Testament agrees with that. I wonder if God's favorite, the Apostle John, the one whom God loved, the one whom Jesus loved, by his own testimony, I wonder if he said, I pray that you will prosper and be in health as your soul prospers. I was texting someone the other day about tranquility of heart and speaking the blessing May your body and your soul align with the word of God. And she texted back, and my mind. Well, I got confused for a moment. And I said, but your mind is part of your soul. Oh, I forgot. Well, that's why you're struggling. He prayed that we would prosper and be in health as our soul prospers. A calm, peaceful, tranquil heart is life and health to the body. So number one, you ready? Sandy, I was ready 10 minutes ago. Quit talking. <laughs> practice, practice thinking about what you're thinking about. Now, there's a term the world is using called mindfulness. But that's actually scriptural. Because if you don't practice thinking what you're thinking about, you're not going to interrupt those neural pathways when your thoughts are negative, worried, anxious, fearful. So the first thing you have to do is identify what thoughts are consuming you. Are you consumed with the symptoms in your body? Are you consumed with the well-being of your children? Are you consumed with absolute despair over your finances? Are you consumed with what's going on in the world? Practice thinking about what you're thinking about. Are you consumed about what he or she did to you? What consumes you? In other words, let me put it this way. What's filling your headspace? Practice thinking about what you're thinking about. Because if you don't, then you're not going to experience that calm, peaceful, and tranquil heart. Because you're going to have to interrupt any negative thought. 
And I would encourage you to begin to actually write it down. What is the dominant thought in your mind? Now, men, you know, I, I'm sure you know this, that a, a male baby in the womb actually has a testosterone bath wash over his brain. And a female does not. Men have the greater ability to compartmentalize their thoughts. They have their job, they have their wife, they have their kids, all different. Now, I don't know about you, but when something's bothering me, it is front and center. Come on, women, how many of you, you just know it's just front and center, it's what you think about all the time. And if that's a negative thought, then it's going to consume you. Or am I the only woman? Because otherwise you must have chosen your pronoun. I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said that. All right, 1 Peter 5, 8 and 9. Be well balanced, temperate, sober of mind. Be vigilant and cautious at all times. For that enemy of yours, oh, we have an enemy, uh-huh, that enemy of yours, and then he says who? The devil roams about like a lion roaring in fierce anger. Now, notice he's like a lion. He's not a lion. There's only one lion, spiritually, the lion of the tribe of Judah. And because the devil is a counterfeiter, he tries to make the sound of a lion. Why does a lion in the natural roar? Yes, to intimidate its prey so that its prey will do what? Be paralyzed in fear so that it can be devoured. And I, I've had people that have told me when they go on... Uh, if you have a whole lot of money and you can stay in, like, I don't know what it is, retreats in Africa, apparently they have these beautiful tents, and, I mean, you pay tens of thousands of dollars to do this. And then I've talked to people that actually do these safaris, and, and they're told, do not come out after dark because you will be eaten. And I had one woman come to me that actually had PTSD, because she said, after dark, you can hear the lions roaring. And she said, it shakes the tent. And when she came back here, she, was, she could still at night, she would hear that roar and it would terrify her. Even though there was no lion here. But she was so intimidated by the roar. And that's what he does. What does his roar sound like? Lies, deceptions. God's not going to help you. God's not going to heal you. God's not going to deliver you. God is not going to provide for you. He is no longer Jehovah Jireh. He's no longer Jehovah Rapha. He's no longer Jehovah Rohi. He's no longer Jehovah Sid Canoe. He is no longer who he says he is because he's changed. The word of God says he hasn't. But then why do all these bad things happen? Because there is a thief. But listen, he, he roams about like a roaring lion, seeking someone to seize upon and devour. And then he tells you what to do. Now, this is here where your thoughts come in. Practice thinking about what you're thinking about. Withstand him. Be firm in faith against his onset. Against his onset. 
against his onset, when do you begin to resist? The moment that negative thought comes into your mind. That's why you have to identify it. Rooted, established, strong, immovable, and determined. And here's the good news. Knowing the same identical sufferings are appointed to your brotherhood, the whole body of Christians throughout the world. You're not the only one suffering with this. And you know, one really good thing to do, I'm telling you, the people that have the most power to help you are people that have been where you are that have overcome. The people that have had the prodigals come home. The people like Vita that have buried two children. Do you expect me to understand the pain you're going through if that's happened to you? Don't you want to slap people? That if, you know, we have some precious people here that, that just buried their husband. What, what if she comes to you and says, I'm suffering. I buried my husband a month ago, which is what happened. And I say, I understand. I mean, last I checked, my husband slept next to me last night and woke up this morning. But Karen can understand. She's buried two husbands. Isn't it better to go somebody on the other side? That is overcome? How do they overcome? By this. They withstood that spirit of grief. They withstood that hopelessness saying you'll never laugh again. I stand in the back and watch Vita jump and turn and twirl and joy. I have to stay out of her way because I'll get hurt. No, you go to someone on the other side. Resist him. So, be thinking about what you're thinking about. And the next time that thought comes, resist at the onset. How do you do that? You've got to use your words. Your words command your thoughts. Your thoughts do not change your thoughts. If you try to think it, it's not going to happen. You open your mouth. We've done this before many, many times. Let's do it again. In your mind, when I say go, start to count to 10. All right? Ready? Go. In your mind, in your mind. Let's try it again. Don't say it out loud. Ready? Go. Say your name. And what happened? You quit thinking. You quit counting. Because your words command your thoughts. And so what do you say? And I've shared this many, 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 many times. But no, I'm going to get to that in a minute. Step two. Step two. Practice stillness. Practice stillness. Psalm 46, verse 10. Surely you know it. Be, say it. Still, and know, recognize, and understand that I am God. I will be exalted. I will be exalted in the earth. Practice stillness. We are too busy. You want to know my pet peeve? And I'm not thinking about you. If you said this to me, I don't even remember who you are. But something I hear all the time is, you're so busy. Well, busy being under Satan's yoke. No, I'm not. I love doing what God has called me to do most of the time. I love doing what God has called me to do. But I'll tell you what, I spend hours in the morning with him practicing stillness. 
Even if you, you know, in Caroline Leaf, if you do her 21-day cleanse, then she just asks you seven minutes a day, seven minutes, that you just meditate on one word from God for seven minutes. If you don't think that's hard, try it. And she asks you to do it for 21 days. Isn't that how it works? Isn't that what the cleanse is? Yeah. And I've done it. But I do it every day. Every day. Practice stillness. That's how you know that he is God. If you have to turn off the phone, turn off the phone. Put yourself. But I've got kids. The house is. Go in the bathroom. Sit on the toilet. Fake it. I mean, do what you have to do. It's easy at my stage. My kids are gone. But I understand when you have little ones. I told you before, my youngest, if she'd been my first, would have been my last because I did not sleep for like 17 months. I mean, it was like ancient Chinese torture. I thought I was going to go out of my mind, literally. And I remember one night, it's 2 o'clock in the morning, I was sitting on the sofa with her because I was homeschooling. This is what crazy people do. They have a third child and they homeschool at the same time. And so I'm homeschooling. And so I have to get up at 6 in the morning after not sleeping most of the night because she's screaming, and I have to keep her quiet so that my husband, who has to go to work, and my children that I'm in homeschool can sleep. And I remember 2 o'clock one morning, I made a decision. And I said, devil, you are not stealing my sleep. I'm giving it to the Lord. And I'm going to proclaim this as a fast unto God. And from that night on, I had joy. Every time she woke me up, I would pray. Every time. And it wasn't long. Because, see, you know, that's the last thing the devil wants. It wasn't long before it stopped. Practice stillness. Third, practice mental hygiene. Well, what is that? What do you do for physical hygiene, I hope? I mean, don't you get up and brush your teeth and wash your face and wash your hands and Hopefully, you're going to drink some good, clean, pure water and practice mental hygiene the same way you practice physical hygiene. What does that mean? It means that there's something you have to do. And that means hold yourself accountable. To what? Steps one and two. I've identified the repetitive pattern of negative, doubtful, worried, unbelief thinking, fearful thinking. I've written it down. I'm going to practice stillness. How do you do that? 2 Corinthians 10, 4 and 5. The weapons of our warfare are not physical weapons of flesh and blood. They are mighty before God for the overthrow and destruction of strongholds. What kind of strongholds? Mental strongholds. That's what he's talking about. Inasmuch as we refute arguments and theories and reasonings and every proud and lofty thing that sets itself up against the true knowledge of God, and we bring every thought into the obedience of Christ. It's talking about your thinking. Strongholds start here. God doesn't care. Oh, God, don't you care that we're perishing? God's not going to help me. I'm just one person. He's indifferent to me. There's zillions of people on this earth. There's war going on. You know, for all we know, if nuclear arms are, are used, what's going to happen to the world? 
Negative thinking, negative thinking, negative thinking, negative thinking. You know what I say? The government rests on your shoulders still. And in the increase of your government and peace, Lord, there will be no end. I don't think God is in heaven wringing his hands, wondering what's going to happen. What am I going to do? Oh, no, there's chaos. Well, Jesus told us a long time ago that there would be wars and rumors of wars. He told us a long time ago there would be tribulation. Jesus said in John 16, 33, in the world, you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer. How can you say that, Jesus? In the Amplified, it says, be undaunted. Why? Because I have overcome the world. And the Amplified Classic says, I have deprived it of its power to harm you. And we're still going, oh, don't you care that we're perishing? And you know, here's the, the good news. He had already said, let us go to the other side. And you know what the other side of that passage says? And when they reached the other side, they made it. And we will too. We're going to make it too. And so what does it say to do? Bring every thought that exalts itself against the knowledge of God to the obedience of Christ. And I've done this many times. Those of you who know me well know that if I go out and eat with you, okay, somebody that knows me well, what am I not going to order? Come on, say it out loud. I will not order dessert. What else for a main dish will I not order? Huh? Beef. What am I going to order? Fish. And vegetables. Why? Because you have the knowledge of me. That's what I like. I don't care what you eat. I could not care less. I mean, I care about you. But the kingdom of heaven is not food and drink. And so, if you know me, then you know. Let me ask you another question. Okay, I'm going to ask my daughters. Where are my daughters? There you are. All right, if you come to mom's house, have you ever heard me say, my house is a mess? Have you ever heard me say that? No. My house is not a mess. You know why? Because I don't have any kids living at home. Now, the knowledge of God. God is good. God is love. God is kind. God is merciful. God abundantly pardons. God is standing on the spiritual front porch. He's hissing. He's whistling for your children to come home. Anything. And, and many times I've taught many messages called that's not my thought. You need to learn because you're doing step one. You're practicing what you're thinking about, and you're saying, that's not my thought. Why? Because it exalts itself against the knowledge of who God is. Amen. Step four, practice. This is the fun part. Oh, if you do this, you're going to be so excited. Practice seeing what you desire. The world calls it visualization. I can prove vi biblically. Genesis 15, 5. 
And God brought Abraham outside his tent in the starlight. He said, look now toward the heavens and count the stars. If you are able to number them. Then he said to him, so shall your descendants be. What was he trying to get Abraham to do? He was trying to get Abraham to get out of his head and see what God promised. Now, how do you do this? If your body is not well, you got to see yourself, that broken part healed. Begin to see yourself mentally sound. If you can't walk, see yourself walking. If your back hurts, see your back not hurting. Let me give you another scripture. Well, I just don't believe this. Genesis 28, 14. Now we had Abraham, Isaac, and here's Jacob. And your offspring shall be as countless as the dust or sand of the ground. And then you shall spread abroad to the west and the east and the north and the south. And by you and your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed and bless themselves. What did he do? Look at the sand. This is how many offspring you're going to have. That's a big imagination. But I'm broke. Will you see yourself carrying that designer bag and those, those red-soled shoes? I was in Neiman's one day and saw a girl that used to work for my sister. And she came out and she was a Chanel rep. Now, I don't know if you've ever priced out Chanel don't. And she brought me in and she said, Sandy, I want to sell you a Chanel jacket. I said, I don't want a Chanel jacket. Well, no, every woman needs to have one. And they're only $10,000. Now, if you have one and you want to give it to me, I'll be happy to wear it. I'll even give you credit. But you know how many clothes I could buy for $10,000? And look just as good. Here's the point. See yourself prospering. See yourself in the car you want to drive. You have to practice seeing what you desire. And here's the part that I think is, this is something I learned. I didn't even know it was called. But it actually has a name. And uh, you're going to think this is crazy but it's something I do. It's called emotional resonance. Anybody know what emotional resonance is? It's acting the way you would if what you desire happened. You just got that call. The doctor says you're clean. You are healed. Your prodigal came home, healed and whole. All of a sudden, a check arrives in the mail. It's going to pay off your debt. My mother had that happen. At the end of last year, she, my husband's her CPA and has been all of our marriage. And she got a very high check in the mail from an account she did not know she had. And she brought it over. She thought it was a counterfeit. And she, and she was shaking. She said, is this real? And Randy looked at it. He goes, yeah, it's real. And she said, I could pay off all my bills. My mother likes credit cards. 
I mean, hey, she's 90, so she can like whatever she wants. And he goes, well, I'm going to check it out for sure. But it's, and sure enough, it was real. Totally unexpected. Check came in the mail. And she was happy. So here's, here's the difference. Did you know that your brain can't tell the difference? When you start acting like a silly fool, do you know your body doesn't know it's not real? So how would you act if what you're believing God for really happened? I had to get in my car alone because I would scare my dog and act the way I would act. And Rick has told the story many times, and so have I, of a, a, a family we had in our church. And the little five-month-old twin was diagnosed with leukemia. And Rick and Cindy called a fast over the weekend. And we had 24-hour-a-day prayer from Friday to Sunday night for this baby. Monday morning, she was going to get the port. And Monday morning, they were going to start chemo. And before they did the port, they did some tests. And the doctor came in, and she was healed with no medicine. And I'll never forget, it was a Monday morning. And after Katie was born, Brady got me a housekeeper because he just knew that if he wanted a happy wife and a happy life, that he would do that. And praise God, I've had one ever since. Every woman should have someone. So you send your husband to me, I'll tell him. And so she called me that morning. And my sweet little lady, she worked for me 19 years. Her name was Hortensia. I loved her. She broke everything in my house. <laughs> she really did. And my girls will tell you, in fact, Katie can imitate her, but she won't do that for you. I mean, the girls would hear a crash. And then you would hear the loud, oh, no. I'm so sorry. But I loved her, so I kept her. And the phone rang, and then those days the phones were on the wall, glued to the wall. You know, remember, some of you remember that. And I answered, and I heard screaming. I mean, top of the lungs, screaming. And I couldn't understand what she was saying. I didn't even know who it was because there was no caller ID. I mean, this was in the Flintstones. And I kept saying, wait a minute, wait a minute. I can't understand you, and I'm screaming because I don't understand the screaming person. And then she said who she was, and I was going, what's wrong? And she was screaming, she's healed, she's healed. And then I started screaming. And that next Sunday, during worship, I'll never forget it. Pam, remember? Cindy, do you remember? Candy, you remember? She ran up to the front of the church with this five-month-old. Oh, I can see it now. And she had her arms around this baby. And she was twirling and dancing. I have never seen anyone do this. And I'm telling you, I was laughing and I was crying. And I was scared that she was going to drop that baby. (laughs) Emotional resonance. Start thanking Jesus and acting the way you would act. If what you are asking him for came to pass. And finally, 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 mobilize your army. I mentioned this last week. 
If you're sick, activate your immune system. You see those killer cells going after whatever is attacking you. Activate your immune system now that whatever the world has released, that your immune system, see it as soldiers that have come to fight the battle and eradicate whatever's come to attack your body or your families. If you're depressed, activate your serotonin levels and your dopamine levels. See those levels increase to fight what's going on in your brain or what is not going on. See your bank account filled with plenty. We used to have a confession we made every Sunday. I wish I had asked uh, if we still have it. Every Sunday we would confess things like checks in the mail, things coming that we did not expect. I don't remember everything. I remember checks in the mail because I thought that was really cool. See your body, see your brain, see your mind and your will engaged in the very thing you need. If you're sad, mobilize your army. Happiness is coming to me. Good things are happening to me. And you know that your brain cannot tell a fake laugh from a real laugh. I do it all the time. I just start laughing. I smile. I don't even know what I'm smiling. I smile all the time. Sometimes I look and people are smiling at me. I think, why are they smiling at me? Because I'm smiling. You know, a smile is the most contagious thing in the world. It's really hard to not smile back at someone that's smiling at you. Sometimes I see people everywhere smiling at me, and I think, do I know you? And then I realize I'm smiling. And remember that song? You have to be above 50 or 60 or so. But, it, but I think the words were, when you're smiling, when you're smiling. How did it go? The whole world smiles at you when you're laughing. The sun comes shining through. But when you're crying, uh, you bring on the rain. So stop your sighing and be happy again. There you go. Who, who sang that anyway? Anybody remember? No? How come you don't remember? You're old. All right, I'm going to close. 1 Corinthians 2.16. Who has known or understood the mind, the counsels, and purposes of the Lord so as to guide and instruct him and give him knowledge? But we have the mind of Christ. And we do hold the thoughts, the feelings, and the purposes of his heart. So practice thinking about what you're thinking about. Practice stillness. Practice mental hygiene. Practice seeing what you desire and acting like you got it. And mobilize your army in the name of Jesus. And Father, in the name of Jesus, I give you praise, adoration, and thanksgiving that all will be well and sorrow and sign will flee away. You are bringing us back from captivity. We are like those who dream. You are filling our mouth with laughter, our tongue with joyful singing. And we will say among the nations, the Lord has done great things for us. The Lord has done great things. We are glad in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Thanks again for joining us. If you enjoyed the podcast, subscribe and share it with a friend. You can hear more messages by visiting chosenessay.com. Be sure to follow us at Chosen Essay on Facebook and Instagram.